How's it going, Chasers? I hope you're having a kick-ass week. Today's podcast is brought to you by Adventures in Homebrewing, a sweet brick-and-mortar but also online homebrewing store in America. Uh, for most of you, you're going to find that if you spend over $50, you're going to get free shipping, which is awesome. Uh, and you can pick stuff up for the home brewer, home winemaker, home cider maker, uh, and yes, even home distillers as well. They've got consumables, ingredients, and equipment, all of which come with a great service, good prices, and like I said, free shipping. So go to homebrewing.org CTC. That'll let them know that I sent you, and you'll be helping the podcast out a little bit. The podcast is also brought to you today by Gladfield, awesome malt made right here in New Zealand. I use it all the time. If you haven't seen it yet or you haven't checked it out, you can go to gladfieldmalt.co.nz to find out more. And lastly, the podcast is brought to you by the Chase the Craft merch store. Honestly, guys, the only thing in there right now are the Chase the Craft Glen Ken glasses, uh, but we're working on getting a whole bunch more stuff in there as soon as possible. Today's guest is interesting. I've been looking forward to talking to this person for some time. She's a professional distiller who's worked at four different distilleries over the last two years. And she transitioned into distilling after training as a brewer. But the interesting thing is, is she's also a YouTuber. And she's been highlighting the interesting things that these distillers uh, and distilleries do behind the scenes as she's been working in those places which is pretty freaking cool. That's unique. There's no one else on YouTube doing this. There's no one else that has done it, as far as I can tell, not in exactly the same way anyway. Uh, so that's kind of special, and I thought it really deserved uh, to put a little bit of a spotlight on it and see what Brewbird has been up to. All right, ladies and gents, we are here with Miss Brewbird, or Brewbird. We were just having a conversation about this beforehand, uh, and you, you, you can't decide which to roll with. That's right. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just worried if the channel is like exists for like a long time and then I can't be like 10 years from now still Miss Brewer. like that's a little bit weird don't you think oh I see what you're saying yeah 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 you don't want to restrict your future options <laughs> it's like I'm sorry no I love you but I can't because of my YouTube channel yeah yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I I must admit that I have thought of you as Brewbird for a while now, uh, rather than Miss Blue Miss Brewbird. And when I checked into the channel a couple of days ago, just to double check all of the specific information to make sure that I don't say anything silly in the podcast, I realized that in fact I was incorrect and it is Miss Brewbird. So well, I don't know. I think maybe I'll just change it. I think I'll probably change it after this, to be honest. Yeah. Anyway, um, for those of you that, for those listeners out there that don't know who you are, um, maybe let's give people a quick rundown on on who you are and what you do rather than talking about super niche stuff. <laughs> That's okay. kind of like, uh, you have a YouTube channel yeah. and first got in contact, I think we worked out it was about a year and a half ago. Yes, in Scotland. Great? I was still in Scotland. Yeah, cool. All right, so maybe do you want to give us a rundown on what the YouTube channel is, what the YouTube channel is about, uh, and I guess the the larger, you know, how you got into the space, what it is you're doing, oh, okay. and why you got a YouTube channel. And, um, yeah, we can go from there. How oh, okay. It? Okay, well, that's a lot. Um, yeah, I'm <laughs> Bluebird. 
Uh, so I studied brewing in Canada. Uh, and then afterwards, I was very interested in distilling. So I applied to a bunch of distilleries in the UK. And then I got a job at a Scotch whiskey distillery in Scotland. And I worked there for about a year or so on a contract basis. But then my visa for the UK was two years. So after that, I just decided to keep contacting other distilleries and see if they would hire me. So that's why I've worked at um, uh, four distilleries in around two years. Um, yeah, and then originally I had wanted to start a YouTube channel for a while. Um, and I'm like, all my friends say like, oh, you're a really good cook. You're good at baking. So I started uh, like a cooking and baking channel on YouTube. I didn't know this. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, because I, I really like cooking and baking. Um, and I always have. And so I did that. And the channel did so badly like it was just sad and then one day i was at work in the distillery and i just thought oh you know there's not a lot of videos about you know distilleries and like scotch whiskey so maybe people would be interested in seeing that so then i started i filmed one video called a day in the life of a scotch whiskey distiller and then I did a couple more, but then I was still doing cooking videos. And then I only had like 50 subscribers after six months. And so I was pretty disheartened at that number. So I went to the marketing specialist at the distillery and I said, oh, can you do me a favor? Can you please look at this YouTube channel and see like what I need to fix? Like, how can I make it grow? And then he looked at it and we talked for about an hour and he said, like, do you notice that all your distilling videos get like a lot more views than any of your cooking videos? Like, um, if you're gonna be a cooking channel, like there's millions and millions of people who want to have a cooking channel on YouTube. And there's buildings full of people where all they do all day long is make cooking videos. So you have to be so special. Whereas you're working in a Scotch whiskey distillery now, like very, very few people allow um, you to film inside a distillery. So that's super rare. So you should take advantage of that and just pivot and focus to distilling is basically what he told me to do. And then I, I thought about it for a while. It was quite sad because I was quite invested in the channel. But now, like looking back, like he was totally right. And I'm glad I was able to make that change. And now I only do like distilling videos. Yeah, sometimes it's hard as a... Do you th Here's an interesting question, actually, before I get into that. Do you think of yourself as an artist, as a YouTuber? Yes. You do? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I've always kind of hated the term artist. Really? I, I've a long-term disdain for it, and I refuse to think of myself as it since the photography day. Anyway, uh, I completely agree with everything you said, and sometimes as a artist, the hardest thing you have to do is kill your babies, right? Mm -hmm. And But sometimes the best thing you can do as an artist is kill your babies. And let's face it, if you're in the cooking space, if you're not binging with Babish, good. Yeah. You get a pretty hard. <laughs> so many people. Yeah, I. I mean, 
You've touched on one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about, though, which is the fact that you have this insane opportunity with access that no one else has. Or people have it, but they have no interest or no skill set or no platform to to share it with other people. And looking around on YouTube right now, there is like I can tell you who is doing this sort of stuff. The people that I've found anyway, and I, I don't know. I mean, I'm in this kind of in a similar space, so I feel like I'd find them pretty easily. And that's you, the Whiskey Tribe, who really are a whiskey channel uh, that were forced into the distilling space because that's what they're not forced, but they, they've moved into that space because that's what their crew wanted. So they're still really focused on the whiskey itself and kind of ass hattery and community and the distillery side of it's been thrown into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark from um, uh, Silver Fox Distillery in Canada, who started out as a home distiller and then a YouTuber and the YouTube channel kind of documented him going into a pro distiller. Um, but that's different because he's working for himself and I don't, the video seems to have slowed down a little bit now because he's, from what I can tell, been quite successful uh, as a professional commercial distiller. So shout out to you, man. Nice work. So that, like, as far as I can tell, you are completely unique on YouTube, yeah. which is, <laughs> dude, like, you don't, it's really freaking hard to find that, right? Mm-hmm. At this day and age when everyone wants to be a YouTuber. That's pretty special. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it really is. It's cool. And the fact that you kind of fell into it, but also worked really freaking hard for it. I don't know. That, that, that's cool to me. Um, anyway, that out of the way. What I, The other thing that I wanted to talk to you about was the how how do people perceive you when you apply for a job and I'm assuming you mention when you apply for the job that you're going to be recording things, right? Like, um, do you yeah. say that now when you're applying for another job, or do you just kind of get the job and then, you know, show well, up first and ask permission later? <laughs> right. So it's not on my CV. Uh, when I initially reply or or send an email out, but then if they reply me and are interested, then I will mention it at that time. Um, um, yeah, yeah, that's really how it works, and they've all been okay with it so far. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll say yeah. Like I mentioned before, and when when we talked previously, that when I first started the channel, it had like only like about ten subscribers, and they were all my friends and family. So that wasn't really like an advertising opportunity for the distillery. It was just something I wanted to do. So I had vacation days and I would take those vacation days and then I would come into work specifically to film my coworkers. And then the next distillery I went to, I mentioned it uh, before I came, so they were okay with it. Um, But still, I felt like quite embarrassed about filming. It's like, oh, I need to get all my work done. And then if there's some extra time, I'll take out the camera and I and I'll do it. And I'd usually only take out the camera if like no one else was there, because I felt, you know, kind of ashamed (laughs) of doing it. I was like, oh, this is such a sad channel with like only 200, 100 people subscribed. Uh, Yeah. And then the third one, 
I was a bit shocked because it would be David would sometimes they turn to me and say like, oh, don't you want to film this? Don't you want to go grab your camera? And that was the first time like someone from a distillery had actively like uh, just a, well, how do I say it? Actively yeah, encouraged me to, to film at the distillery while I was working. Yeah. Whereas the other times I was just like so embarrassed and like slightly ashamed of doing it, to be honest. Uh, yeah. So that was a, that's why actually you can see like a, a shift from the first two distilleries to the third one where I show a lot more stuff. Because if they're cooperative, then I can just always be filming and I can show everything, the whole process a lot more clearly. Yeah. That is really cool. And I think for for people that are listening to this, if if you're listening to this, you have some interest in spirits, right? I, I mean, that's what my channel is about. That's what the podcast is about. And as a consumer, you very, very rarely get the opportunity to take a peek behind the curtain in a more natural way, you kind of get the um, the tour experience. Does that make sense? Like, you know, you show up at the distillery and they show you exactly what they want to show you. Uh, there's a guy standing there ready to do whatever it is his job is and he knows that you're coming and so on and so forth, which is a very, very different thing to you being on site as an employee and you kind of being a guide for us watching the channel to be able to see what happens and be able to show things kind of warts and all. I, I mean, I was the, the last video you put up um, where you end up with uh, some molasses all over the place. And, you know, just like little things like that. That's interesting, man. That's interesting just for people that enjoy drinking the product and, and want to know more about the distillery. But for people that are interested in the process and that, especially if there's people that are interested in taking the step from a hobby into the industry, I think seeing really behind the curtain like that, it's just cool because it's real, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, yeah, it, it's fun. So I think, I think there's a lot of people listening to this that deep down inside would love to go pro one day, whether that be to start their own show, uh, start their own distillery work for someone else uh, or maybe do, you know, find an apprenticeship or work for someone else for a while and then start their own place. Do you have any tips based on what you did to get started in the industry and now also based on being in the industry and seeing how it works a little bit more? Uh, do you have any tips on what you could encourage people to do to make that step to get into the industry? Um, for brewing, if you're looking to get work in a brewery, then it really helps if you're a home brewer. They like that a lot, especially if you can during the interview, like bring one of your home brews in. They love that. Um, for distilling, um, well, I didn't actually have any distilling education or background prior to going to Scotland. I was just studying brewing at the time. And then I had that interest and I thought like, oh, maybe I'll just try to email a lot of distilleries in the UK. So that's all I did was just sent emails to people. So for me, it's just, just ask, just ask people. Don't be afraid to get shut down because I mean, they're just emails. They can't see your face if they reject you or... <laughs> 
don't reply, it's fine, you know, move on. Yeah. Uh, and I remember watching the video that you had uh, talking, where you mentioned the emails and stuff. And just to put this in perspective for people, we're not talking about you sitting down and planning on, oh, I kind of like this distillery. I might send them an email. Like you did this properly, right? You had spreadsheets and you were tracking responses, the way they responded. Yeah. Uh, and you were contacting a lot of distilleries. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I, the reason I mention that is if, if there's people out there and they want to get into the industry and they want to start a job, treat finding the job like a job, right? It sounds like that's what you did. Like yeah. you went after it. You were contacting like 70 or I think you said you were planning on contacting, was it 70, 80 distilleries? 70 or 80 distilleries, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's not um, just an afternoon's work, right? <laughs> that's some commitment. But it paid off for you. Just out of interest, uh, how many people did you actually contact in the end before you got the job? And how many, like what was kind of the the... I guess the averages of responses with just, they never got back to you. Uh, sorry, no, go away. Um, we'd love to be able to work with you, but sorry, we don't, you know, like what was the, the distribution of responses that you got from the people you contacted? Yeah, I had this actually all calculated out, uh, but it was so long ago. Um, I think I got around, I want to say 25% that actually replied to me, which is more than I expected. Like even That's... if it was just a rejection, like they still took the time to write an email and say no. Um, yeah. And then I think it was number 30 or 34 was the one that I actually got a job at in the end. Yeah. So it wasn't too bad. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's pretty good, man. Mm -hmm. Nice work. <laughs> so I, I i'm interested to know in the email when you contacted people did you play up like did you sort of um advertise the fact that you were trained as a brewer yes i did i made sure to stress that yeah because that's really all i had going for me i thought so i was like i need to push this <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure uh, it's the selling's an interesting thing right because it it's a very interesting hobby and profession, I feel, because it, it, it's it's almost one of those things that it doesn't matter what background you've got, as long as you've got some set of skills, some set of experience, some set of um, something that you can offer, it, it applies to distilling. It's really interesting. Like there's so many, like if you're an electrician, I'm sure there's a lot of distilleries you know, maybe not every distillery, but I guarantee you there's a distillery out there that would be really interested to talk to someone who wants to be a distiller, who is a, is a kick-ass, sparky uh, accountant. <laughs> you know, like, whatever. I, I don't know. It's just interesting. Does that, do you see a lot of that? Because it seems like you've had a, an interesting mix of places you've worked at in terms of slightly larger operations, smaller operations, where it's just because the, the, um, uh, the the last place you're at, sorry. Um, uh, yes, with the ice still, right? Yeah, that, the ice That seemed like quite a small operation. It was always uh, you and Dave. D Dave, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
um, it was always, it just seemed like it was always the two of you. Was that just because he was happy to work with you on camera or is it just because that's sort of the way it was at the distillery? Well, that's like, the would, way it was. That's the way yeah, it was, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the Irish, uh, sorry, the Scotch distillery you worked at at the beginning seemed like a much larger operation. Yeah. Of, that yeah. was huge. That was huge. Yeah. Like one fermenter fit 25,000 liters. One fermenter. And we had eight fermenters. So it, was <laughs> it was really big. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm really interested to see what you what your experience was working at those two places and the I guess the benefits and the the drawbacks of working in companies that are small versus huge. But did you see at both of those? I have to I mean, I have to imagine the small the smaller place, Shakespeare, is just kind of like anyone that's there has to do everything, right? Yes. The head is the chief bottle washer and, you know, yeah. probably the accountants as well or, you know, they, everyone has to take wear multiple hats. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, and to go back to my original point, I guess, especially in a place like that, right, if you can walk into a place like that with another set of skills, mm-hmm. you know, if you even a, like a marketing background or – something is going to be advantageous there, right? The thing that is interesting to me, though, is was it kind of the same at the Scotch? Sorry, what was the name of the Scotch distillery again? The Borders Distillery. Borders, that's right, yeah. Was it kind of the same at the Borders where a lot of people wore a lot of different hats? Or was that much more specialized? Like if your job was one thing, that's all you did? Yeah, it was more like that. I would say at the borders and then yeah you had to do a more variety of things at the Shakespeare distillery just because it was smaller as you would expect yeah 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 Mm -hmm. um so yeah what what do you feel the advantages and disadvantages were for you working at a place like that uh either either just purely for enjoyment of being an employee there but also it I, I it almost seems like you've uh, decided to put yourself on a bit of a pilgrimage to learn everything you can about distilling working at these different places. So I'm interested to see the advantages and disadvantages, you know, on just the enjoyment side of being there and being just having a job, but also in terms of what you can learn and grasp and understand from people working at, you know, those two sort of different places. Yeah. So at the Borders Distillery, we actually made the alcohol. We had the mash tun and the fermenters, whereas all the other places, they just had neutral grain spirit brought in. So yeah, when you're doing a mash, that's, you know, a completely different aspect to it. Um, So yeah, and it was just fun to learn how to work with such big uh, equipment and such a large capacities. Um, yeah. And then it was more traditional, whereas at the Shakespeare distillery, we had the eye still and the eye still, it's nice because it's just very kind of like you just turn it on and then you walk away and forget about it almost. Uh, so yeah, it kind of feels like there's not much really distilling or there's not a lot of work for you to do as a distiller, to be honest. So you're just kind of doing other things, uh, packaging, labeling, bottling most of the time. And then, but luckily we had that big rum project we were working on. So that took a lot of time. Yeah. (laughs) The ice still is a interesting thing for me. And 
I, I think you've touched on what I see being its biggest advantage, but also its, its biggest downfall. Or like at the same time, right? <laughs> it's kind of I don't I don't know. I, I'm I've never talked to someone face to face, face to face that has used one of these things in a commercial setting. So this is a this is a cool opportunity for me to to discuss it with you. And I'm torn on these things because it's partially it takes, like you said, it takes all of that out of the distiller's hands. But then at the same time, if the only reason that's a problem to you is for this weird sort of nostalgic or artistic point of view, you know, the way that it was created is just as important as the way it tastes, then that only applies to a certain part of the the consumer group right like there are people out there that do care about that it has to be made in a certain way and they they enjoy the story of the product and they enjoy the handcrafted aspect of it conceptually as much you know they're willing to pay for that some people just don't care give me the thing that tastes the best for the best price um i don't know if it what are your thoughts like do you think there's something is there an x factor with the human element of doing it the old school traditional way and just having your hands on at every step of the process. Do you think there's something that automation just destroys or not destroys, but does it, does it kind of uh, take the soul out of the, the whiskey or the rum or whatever you're making? If you can't have a distiller with their hands on the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think like that, again, just would matter to a specific group of consumers. And then, like you said, for the majority of people, they might not care so much. Uh, So it doesn't really make a difference to them. Um, But, I mean, I'm sure the ice still will be popular with a lot of up-and-coming distilleries just because it is cheaper to purchase. Um, Yeah, it's a lot cheaper than buying a copper still. Yeah. Right. That's right. So you don't you're thinking it doesn't really affect the actual product at all. Oh, of course it does affect the product. Yeah. Uh, but you can still make a good product from it. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I guess any any alteration in still is going to affect the the product in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess I guess what I was saying is if you designed a still that was exactly the same shape or the same materials, but you took all the automation out and you ran it manually, mm-hmm. is there any magic there? Do you know what I mean? Like is is automation itself something that reduced like objectively changes the taste of the spirit? Um I I don't think so, but I think probably you drink a lot more than me, so maybe that's something you would have to tell me, (laughs) to be honest. I I almost, I don't drink a whole lot anymore, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I I drink less now than I have since I started drinking. (laughs) I, it's interesting that the more I get into it, the more I enjoy it, the more I really enjoy um, tasting spirits. The, the less I enjoy drinking spirits. Does that make sense? Oh, no. That makes total sense. Makes yeah. Total sense. It's interesting. It happened to me with beer, too. As I got into beer, 
I uh, stopped drinking beer and, and just started sort of, you know, spending way too much bot money on a couple of bottles rather than a, a dozen and, um, yeah, sampling it. But yeah, I don't, I, like I said, there's no, there's no distilleries I know, uh, here in New Zealand that are running an ice still. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually had a commercial product created on an ice still hmm. uh, or any other automated still, as far as I know. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, um, what would they like to work with? That's interesting to me because it seems like the, the thing that really intrigues me with those kinds of products, mm-hmm. uh, and when I say products, I mean the still itself, mm-hmm. is that you can set parameters very, very specifically and know that most things have gone through exactly the same process and then change a parameter mm-hmm. for testing purposes, right? Which is kind of what you, were, what you guys were going through, the rum, the rum situation. Um, how is that functionally when you're actually using it? Did you find that quite uh, freeing in a way that you you know you could dial in as many parameters as you could, and then just change something? Yeah, I mean it gives you a lot more room to experiment with. Uh, I think one of the problems we had was that the instruction manual that comes with the eye still isn't very good. So <laughs> then it was like, okay, there's this function on the still. Well, what does that actually mean? Like, what does it actually do? Like, it doesn't really clearly explain all the different functions and settings <laughs> on the eye still. So you just kind of are like, okay, we'll just we'll just try it this time. We'll press that button, see what happens. Yeah, that's what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that was. Uh, I'm guessing that was a translated version into English, right? Yeah. Yeah, I assume so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had a very similar uh, experience with um, the Genio, mm-hmm. which is kind of a similar product, I guess, coming out of uh, Poland. And yeah, the uh, the instruction manual, especially the instructions for assembling it and putting it together, it was really, really obvious that English was not the native language. <laughs> and and so I actually gave up in the end. I just, I looked at pictures because I, th- I think the um, the text was actually making it worse. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you know that something's been translated and you're reading it and there's a word that's kind of odd. So then you try and translate the translation. Do you know what I mean? And you, you're, you're reading into every little word. Oh, maybe it means this. Maybe it means that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It led me down the garden path. I had to throw the thing away and uh, just look at pictures in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, what is next for you? Where are you? What are you doing right now? And uh, how long is that contract? Okay. Well, um, it's not up on the channel yet, but the next Ooh, video sweet. will be of me in Manchester at the new distillery, um, and that was like a, quite an interesting job because actually it was one of my subscribers who gave me a job (laughs) yeah yeah so we hung out for a little bit um and then actually because they had this mandatory hotel quarantine in canada for all travelers arriving back um and it started on february 22nd and you have to like pay two thousand dollars to spend three days in a hotel room and i didn't want to do that so i came back home uh, a little bit early so i'm right now in canada um, and I've, for a long time, I've wanted to 
go more into beer because again I went to a brewing school and so I know actually a lot of brewers at different uh, breweries in Vancouver so I approached a lot of them and I asked them if I could film them working for a day making something so I've just filmed two of those uh, with them um, yeah so I'm really excited that'll be come out after the Manchester distillery videos are uh, I'm finished posting those and then we'll go and do a brewing series yeah pretty cool man is what is the craft brewing scene like in vancouver and is that starting to cross over with the craft spirits scene like are there uh craft breweries that have been craft breweries for a while starting to delve into the spirits world um yeah there's a couple craft brewery uh distilleries here actually one of the craft breweries uh that my friends Worked, works at is also a craft distillery. So I'll be showing both of those uh, things. Um, yeah, beer is pretty, pretty getting more and more popular here. And it has been for several years. Um, yeah, but they have a lot of crazy ideas. Like once I heard they put like crap, they made like a crab beer or like they had <laughs> a cask of beer and then they threw gummy bears into the cask to see what would happen so it's like it's like the wild wild west here it's just everything's going on <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of cool i see the, the distilling world heading that way more mm-hmm. which is actually kind of cool too like because i like that about the craft beer world i like that it has turned into this thing where i mean the the main goal obviously of any businesses to make money right but it seems like the craft beer industry has managed to create an environment create an industry where the people that patronize those businesses have almost come to expect a slight level of creative craziness yeah you know what i mean like they want it they they want that stuff like yeah i'm gonna show up somewhere and i want uh freaking apas so many apas on tap it's kind of disgusting over APAs, but you know, they want all the standards. They want maybe a stout and a porter and a bunch of APAs, but having something on tap or having something sitting there ready to go, that is like you say, off the wall mm-hmm. is, is, uh, it's good for business, which is cool. And I don't know, man, like I, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of that in the spirits world. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you, have you, have you come across anything like that? Like anything just out there? Uh, for spirits, there was like that, that gin. Uh, what is it? They put like glitter in the gin. That's <laughs> the out there thing I can think of. And then it's like purple or like neon green, and they put glitter. So when you drink it, have you seen that? Have you had those? I haven't had the gin. No, actually, I haven't actually had any. I've seen the uh, hazy IPAs that are just full of. I don't know if it's glitter, but they look like uh, almost like gold flecks and stuff in it. And when they sit in the glass, they swirl and yeah. kind of change. I yeah, so I, I think I know what you mean, but no, I haven't tried it. But yeah, no, someone like offered it to me during a job interview and I drank it. <laughs> and was like, this is so, like, I don't want to drink this glitter liquid. <laughs> it's like neon <laughs> green and it's like glittery it was, it was bad it was bad that was the weirdest thing probably 
it's hilarious. I, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, right? Whether the spirits world is going to follow really mm-hmm. closely after the the craft beer world. It's it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this. Actually, I I mean I felt down here in New Zealand especially, but I guess kind of um, as a trend, it feels like craft spirits is maybe five to ten years behind craft beer on a lot of different aspects. I guess just the the boom, um, the growth, the the way it's branded and marketed, the types of people that are getting into the industry. Um, you know, that, that just idea of, uh, especially out of California, right, where there was expl- just a huge explosion of people that suddenly cared about beer that were brewing it in their, in their basements and their backyards and their sheds, realized they were kind of good at it. And then that, was, that became the new wave of craft distiller, which brought the industry and the, the, the hobbyists so much closer together. I feel like that hasn't really happened yet with spirits, and I guess the legality is a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. But, but all of the, I don't know, just the the feeling of the industry, uh, you know, that that is based on the industry is there because these people actually give a shit, and that these people are the hobbyists mm-hmm. and are making what they wanted to see in the industry. And it feels it feels like spirits are going there now. Like there's some really good examples of of new businesses, new distilleries that really embody that whole um, ethos about how to to do business, I guess. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts too, because one, you're actually in the industry and I'm not. I'm just like peeking in through windows and getting an insight into people, you know, when I talk with them. Um, but also it's a different place. Like I've never been to the UK. Um, so yeah, what do you think? How do you feel that the spirits world is compared to the beer world? Um. I just feel like the beer world, it's just easier to be more creative, whereas distilling, I don't know, for a lot of it, it's just like, it's just like, oh, we're going to buy in some NGS and then we'll distill it with some botanicals or something. Uh, Whereas, I don't know, beer, I feel it's just more flexible. It's just more easy. Yeah, it's just easier to be creative, whereas distilling, I don't... I don't really actually feel what you're talking about with it getting more creative. I can't say that's something that I've really felt. I I guess that's kind of what I'm what I'm saying, right? Like that used to be what beer was. Beer used to be it was really really hard to buy any commercial beer that actually tasted good <laughs> on, on today's standards, right? Getting a beer that was actually made with a really high hop aroma and hop flavor was just non-existent because that cost a lot of money and no one wanted to do it. And that wasn't the model that worked. Um, big beer didn't provide that. I, and I guess it's kind of the same with spirits. And I think that's, I think that's a little bit what I'm saying in terms of it being behind, right? Like it's starting to get to that point now. You're seeing people experiment with um, different fermentables different grists they're experimenting with specialty malts they're experimenting with different yeasts different um aging techniques regimes different woods different blends all of that sort of stuff it feels like it's catching up but at the same time especially if it's a brown spirit right it takes you it might take you four years to figure out if you've done something good or not. <laughs> Whereas beer, you can experiment with something and um, 
you can know within what two three weeks that you did good or you didn't yeah, yeah that's very <laughs> true yeah i don't know it's, it's it's interesting i'd like to see it more uh texas was fun if you ever get a chance to go to texas on your distilling travels i think you should give that a go yeah do you know the whiskey tribe do you know the whiskey vault oh yes i've seen them on youtube okay cool have you seen their new fancy still no i haven't i need to check them out again yeah speaking of people that are going to be doing some weird stuff i'm sure that's going to happen mm. they're going to be doing all sorts of crazy stuff all right so uh what are your plans long term for the channel and do you see yourself like what are, what are your long-term goals here are you wanting to open your own distillery are you wanting to go full-time on the channel are you just chilling and playing it by ear you're gonna see what happens uh i'd still like to continue working gaining more experience in distilling maybe in brewing as well we'll see how things go and then just make more videos to document my journeys um i'd like again to move into beer more on this channel and then i'd like to move into other spirits and other drinks and maybe eventually into non-alcoholic drinks as well actually so interesting yeah so what, what sort of stuff would you be looking at there beverage production like behind the scenes of how drinks are made that's really what i'd like to do so like any kind of spirit any any kind of drink, like even tea, like we go to a tea field and see how like that's grown from the start to finish. Because I actually love tea. That's my favorite drink. So yeah, um, yeah. so just behind the scenes production of any beverage. Uh, so I'm hoping to grow the channel in that way. And then if I could, if that's something I can just do full time, that'd be awesome. It's pretty cool. It's, isn't it crazy that we live in a time where that is literally possible? Like if you've got a camera and a decent internet connection, you've got the opportunity to to do this as a job. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So how long has the channel been going for now? I want to ask a few youtube questions because I've been getting more and more people asking me about this sort of stuff uh, and more and more people um, getting in touch and saying that they're thinking of starting it themselves and to be honest for me the memory of what it was like in that first sort of year is the, my memory is shocking i'm starting to kind of forget what that was like so how long have you been running for now and what has been the hardest thing for you to keep going like the the, hard, the thing that's made you want to stop or quit the most so the YouTube channel, I started, I posted the first vi video September 2019th, uh, September 16th, 2019, exactly. I love how you just know that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what year I posted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, I'm impressed, carry on. <laughs> yeah, um, so I think it's about a year and that would make it a year and six months or so. Um, yeah, the hardest thing, yeah, the beginning for me was the absolute worst probably because it was a cooking channel and i had so much competition and then you post a video and you hope someone's gonna watch it and it's like 10 views all from your family members and it's just sad and you spent like over a hundred hours working on this video it's just it's really depressing and it's hard to keep going and i think that's where you see a lot of people stop and fail it's just they can't see 
they can't see the long term of it. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just looking at the immediate, like no one's watching it at this moment. Like this is stupid. I should just give up. And then all those thoughts build up, and then finally you just give up at the start. Um, so you really need to push through that. Yeah, and that's really tough. And at the beginning, even my mom was like, "Oh, you're never gonna make it as big as those other YouTubers. You don't even need need to think about it because it can never happen." She said that to me, and she said I should give up. Oh, did she? Yeah, that was quite depressing as well. Uh, Yeah, that must be hard, man. When you've got people that you know you love, you respect, that you appreciate their opinion, if they're if they're not being supportive, that could be really tough. I I mean, I was very, very lucky in that my parents just don't really care what I do as long as I'm happy. They've always been really supportive like that. Um, and my wife's been really, really amazing in supporting me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I never, I never really had that. Um, what I do get now a lot <laughs> still is, uh, so when are you, you going to find a real job? Basically, oh. like they don't straight up ask me that, but you can you can feel people uh, thinking it. It's it's interesting. I guess it's a it's a uh, a vocation, a job description that is not immediately obvious that it's actually a job, right? It's kind of like I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I I think you're 100 percent right though that that first part. Oh yeah, I thought that was coming from this end for a second. You got a plane going past. Yeah, there's you? a plane going by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fun now. It's quiet now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That that first those that, that first sort of chunk of time where you're building a snowball that no one cares about, and yeah, that's tough, man. It really is tough, and it's hard because I, I see so many people say you've got to treat it like a job from the beginning, mm-hmm. and I. I completely agree with that. But if you, you know, uh, if, if you're treating it entirely like a job in a conventional sense of what people think a job is like, you know, I show up, I put my time in, I get paid, I go home. That's not going to happen. Right? It's just not, you're not going to get anything, any recognition at all mm-hmm. for the first few videos you put up, right? And it might take, it might take you 10, 15 videos to find your groove. It might take you thousands of videos to find your groove. And then there's the opposite side of it. Oh, just do it like a hobby. And it's like, okay, that's great. You won't get all bummed out about it mm-hmm. when when it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. But you can't really expect to grow something massive or grow something meaningful if you're just kind of doing it for fun. And whenever whenever you don't feel like it, you don't show up. So that that's tricky, man. But uh, I, I don't know. I think you're at a point now where you're going to start growing a lot quicker. Have you started to notice your the velocity of growth tick up a little bit yeah yeah it's it's starting to go like this i was like oh that's a good sign yeah 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 so for those of you that don't know basically what happened is when when we first uh how did we first get in touch i think you just reached out didn't you and said i'm starting a channel yeah i'm a big fan of just randomly emailing people Uh, yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh nice yeah, and 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 uh, I basically said, keep grinding, and and when you get to a thousand subscribers, we'll, we'll do a collaboration. And here we are. Uh, so, if you're listening to this, guys, Brewbird, 
formerly known as Miss Brewbird, apparently, <laughs> is doing some really cool stuff, like I said, behind the scenes. And she's only got a thousand subscribers, which you need more. So if you're listening to this, go and check her out. Uh, where's the best place to, to find you? Just YouTube? Uh, just right YouTube. To YouTube. Yeah, yeah. If you just uh, type in Brewbird or Miss Brewbird, it'll come up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in touch over there. Um, check the videos out. Uh, if anyone is running this, uh, listening to this and happens to run a distillery, I'm sure uh, you would be interested to hear oh, from them. I would be interested, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think you, you could position yourself quite interestingly. You could have a nice, uh, it, it's a nice advantage to an employer to be able to bring someone like you in, right? You get a distiller or whatever position you're going to fill, a brewer. Uh, and some built-in marketing along with it. That's pretty cool. Because let's face it, man, a lot of places now are um, are wanting to start YouTube channels purely as marketing opportunities. And like we just talked about, it's not exactly easy to just do that. So to be able to bring someone in like you, uh, it's fine. So uh, you dodged my question before. Uh, do you have any aspirations to start your own distillery sometime? Oh, um, it could be down the road, but not not immediately no no right not at all right mm -hmm. so the passion for you is just the learning at the moment yes i just like learning things like you and making things that's really my hobby i'm usually very good at like cooking like, so, right. like art related things that's why i really edit my videos so much because i just love playing with different like looks and designs and that's why <laughs> yeah very cool all right. Well, this has been an absolute blast. Uh, thank you for coming and joining us. Um, let's set another milestone. When you get to 10,000, let's do this again. Oh, okay. Sure. That sounds fun. Um, you got to go kill it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're always giving me so much like motivation. You know, first it was like, when I get to 1,000 subscribers, still it will collaborate with me. And now it's when I get to 10,000 still it will collaborate with me again <laughs> uh yeah uh, no I, I think it'd be fun it's a nice excuse for me to talk i i mean this is this is by far the biggest reward of being in this i don't know what to call it industry job mm -hmm. the biggest bonus of me doing what i do is being able to talk to cool people like you and not feel like i'm just screwing off while i'm doing it like anywhere else that I would be working, this would be me not doing my job and neglecting my duties. And somehow I've, <laughs> I get to, to not feel like I'm being a, a complete matter fuck up while I'm doing this sort of thing, which is awesome. I'm just going to say too, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll keep in touch because I plan on when, <laughs> when the COVID thing disappears, I plan on, on, on traveling mm. at least, I don't know. It'd be nice to do it like once a year, a solid trip somewhere. And uh, get out and about and try and sort of, I, I guess, do what you're doing. Like get a get a peek behind the curtain in the industry in a specific area and find out what kind of makes it tick there, what, what those people in that area are doing that makes it different than other places and how, sorry, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. Um, how what those people are doing can be interesting and, and beneficial for the for the hobby distiller. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I do want to ask, like, for your channel, are you going to stick with distilling or do you want to branch out as well? Uh, so I think for me, for the for the for still it, it yeah. makes sense 
stick with stilling, uh, distilling. Sorry, uh, the podcast. This this part, which I uh, I do put now the the full podcast up as a video on the Stillit channel. I give that a little bit more leeway. Uh, so, um, more than happy. Like I've talked to people that produce yeast mainly for the beer industry and hang with them. Um, you know, like I, I talk with brewers or even like I, I, I guess, like I said before, I did more than more than happily talk to people that are into in marketing, for example, and just sort of talk about how that applies to distilling. So I guess that I wanted to create the, 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 the podcast with an excuse to be able to just talk to anyone that I find interesting and then vaguely relate it back to distilling and call it distilling content. <laughs> um, but for the, for the main stuff, for like for what I do, it's going to be all distilling related. But part of the reason that I rebranded from just still it, I was just still it in the beginning. Uh, and then I rebranded a while ago. Well, not rebranded, but restructured it. So the, the, the channel is still still it. Uh, but the company that still it is part of is Chase the Craft. Mm -hmm. And the reason I did that was to leave my options open in the future. Oh, I see. So maybe I'll kind of go the Linus Tech Tips route sometime in the distant future of starting, you know, multiple YouTube channels under the Chase the Craft mm -hmm. banner that are, that are related. So maybe there'd be a brewing channel. Um, I, I want to be in that craft scene. And mm -hmm. when I say craft, I don't mean like the wanky small batch, all of those sort of words that mean nothing now because – <laughs> that's the way the industry's the industry and marketing has spoiled them but what i mean is that anything where the person doing it is chasing the craft they are learning assessing adjusting improving repeating the cycle over and over again so in my mind like someone who makes furniture is a craftsman and they're chasing the craft someone who's making you know cheese or pizzas or a photographer they're all chasing the craft so yeah there could be potential for other things to pop up down the track um right now we so oh for people that don't know uh, we did kind of a reciprocal kind of deal uh where i did a uh podcast slash interview whatever you want to call it uh on your channel is that video out yet not yet i'm gonna post it today are you gonna post it today okay groovy so uh, when this video goes out, there'll be a link in the description down below to go and see that video if you want to see it. But we, in, in that video, we talked that talked about the fact that I'm still a one man band at the moment, and I just don't have I don't have scope to really even do what I'm doing now. <laughs> I can't keep up with everything. Um, I can keep up with the business side of it, or I can keep up with production. Uh, but I find it pretty hard to get both done you know, to sort of work on the business, to try and expand it, to work in the business and get all the, you know, get the accounting done and keep up on emails and all that sort of stuff and create the content. It's just, yeah, I'm struggling at the moment. Um, but one day if I can expand to, to a bigger crew, yeah, it'd be really cool to start creating content on different, different topics as well. That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, anyway, you've distracted me, which is fine. It was fun, uh, but what it's, what I wanted to ask is like, how do you feel? How do you feel about the industry, and how do you think they would they be receptive to a big hairy guy like me showing up and saying that I want to come and see what they do? Because your channels chase the craft, which is also very good as well. Because those probably big distilleries 
they don't need you maybe to do like marketing and advertising. Um, whereas the small ones are a lot more receptive of people coming in and filming. So yeah, I think, yeah, you'll be fine with the craft distilleries and just, yeah, craft anything. Interesting. Yeah. That was kind of the, uh, the feeling I had as well. Yeah. Lefroig don't need my help. <laughs> I, I can't even like the, the, the saying that, that would be a drop in the bucket is just ridiculous. I'd be like, yeah, an atom in a drop in the bucket. <laughs> but yeah, okay, I see what you mean. But if it's a small craft distillery that's, uh, you know, working in hundreds of litres, <laughs> thousands of litres. Right. Okay, cool. Well, uh, one day I will definitely get to the UK and one day I will definitely get to Canada. Uh, I want to go and see Mark up in Canada. I've got some uh, other whiskey-related friends in Canada. Canada that I would love to see as well. So if I ever head, head that way, I'll be hitting you up for uh, for contacts. Yeah, sure. It'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you very, very much for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm really, really happy to see that you stuck with the YouTube thing because uh, I think you're adding something to the community that no one else is. So nice work. Keep crushing it. And uh, we'll see you back again when you've got 10K. <laughs>